When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the GM Shuffle. If you take over any organization, you buy a franchise, your number one goal is to get your quarterback. So you're going to be relentless in that pursuit. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to a special NFL Draft edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. Michael, it is fantastic to have you in studio. We've been doing these things remote. And now we get to see you in 3D. It's good to be here, Femi. It's good to be out in Vegas. Good to be at the Circa. What a great spot. I mean, my Lord, this is what you. <laughs> this is what everybody wants their living room to look like, right? It's, it's got all the bells and whistles. Uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Mike Palm, Derek Stevens, incredible job. If you get a chance, you ought to come down here. This is if this is a truly a sports fans paradise. It really it, is. It really. We were joking like, hey, this might be heaven, or at least that's what we'd imagine it's heaven one would look like. Closer to it, I can <laughs> tell you that. I mean, if Rod Serling was here, he'd write a hell of an episode of it, you know? It's going to be a fun episode. We have a lot of questions to get yeah. to with the NFL draft coming up here, but as always, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and tweet at us as well, at MLombardiNFLs, where you can find Michael, at Femi is where you can find me, producer Stephen Bond, on the ones and twos, as always for us here, Michael, but Let's get into this thing, because at the top of the draft board, the Jacksonville Jaguars sitting here, and right now, leading up to it as of Wednesday evening, we do not know who the Jacksonville Jaguars will be selecting. But before we get into that, Mm -hmm. I want you to kind of peel back the layers. What is going on in that Jacksonville Jaguars front office right now? What is the night before a draft looking like when you have a coveted pick, like pick number one? Oh, I think they know who they're picking. I think they're just posturing, and they know exactly what they're going to do. And I think ultimately what they're trying to figure out is what they're going to do in the second round. Like, mm-hmm. where are they going, what they're trying to do. You know, when you have two picks in the in the draft, you really become a pool player. So you know you're going to make one shot. It's where you want to put the ball to be the second shot. And so I think that's with Jacksonville. Where are we going to get? They know they've got to pick this guy. You know, whether they're debating whether it's going to be, you know, uh, whether it's Hutchinson, whether it's, you know, Neil, Iwane, or, you know, whatever one of those guys they want to go with. I mean, they, they, they are. I think it's going to be Walker. Mm-hmm. Is what all indications are. If you know Balky and you know what he wants to do, but of course you you know you've got the Com family. We're not sure there, but so I think that's really ultimately what's going on is they they know what they're going to do and they just kind of make sure they want to see what's going to get there at the bottom of the first and see what they need to do. 
Because last time we talked on Monday, and it was, okay, there was the move in the betting market, and there was yeah. reports coming out that it was going to be Walker, that Trent Balky was winning the arguments. So I guess over the next few days, has this just been Balky getting everybody on board? And like today is when they make the decision? Or kind of how has this kind of come to be to where it's probably going to lean toward Georgia defensive and Trayvon Well, Shaq Khan said that they were going to get together today. So, mm-hmm. And he's been involved. I think, look, the one thing I have learned through talking to a bunch of different people is these owners, I think, are more involved based on the way these contracts have gone lately, that mm-hmm. they're really, and especially with the guarantee to Deshaun Watson, don't think that doesn't impact everybody. Sounds like everyone's pissed. Everybody <laughs> is pissed because they've never had to do this before. They've always yeah. been had a way to get around it. You know, it was the greatest thing you could say. An agent said, well, we want it fully guaranteed. Well, we can't fully guarantee it. We, we're not going to fund the money. It was a great out. You had yeah. a great, well, skill it. Or injury it, but we won't do both. You could do skill or injury. You couldn't do both. If we did injury, you definitely didn't have to fund it. So, uh, you know, that that made it a lot easier. But now that they, they don't have that out, I think the owners are taking a definite interest in this. Yeah, no, it's interesting how the Khan family has been more involved in this. It was reporting that Khan's like Aiden Hutchinson, but maybe it's leaning towards Trayvon Walker. I want to ask you, because we saw the news earlier today that Cam Robinson agreed to his extension. Right. Three years, $54 million is what was reported there. How does that factor into the discussions of number one? Because Akeem Aquanu, the NC State offensive tackle, was thought of as somebody that Doug Peterson liked. Now right. that they got Robinson signed for at least the next two to three years, does that also alter the decision-making and leading this thing towards Trayvon Walker? Well, you could take a Kano and put him over at right tackle if you wanted mm-hmm. to, right? You could take him and put him at – most people in this draft think he's going to end up playing guard. Wow. Most people think he's going to end up being a guard. Now, if the Jets take him at four, which is a lot of people think they might do that at four if he's there, they could put him at right tackle. They could put him at left tackle and move Becton to right tackle. So they could do some of that. But he's got versatility. I mean, what you really ideally want to do when you take an offensive lineman is you want multiple position flexibility with what the player you take. You don't want to just take a guard or a center or, you know, especially this high up. You want some positional flexibility. Whereas Cross is a left tackle. You're saying he's a legitimate left tackle. You could – Obviously, play him at right. You could play cross at left guard. It, it's the Cooper draft. It's the, you know, where Jonathan Cooper got drafted in the first round. It's mm-hmm. where you take these one dimensional guards that if they don't play well at guard, you, you're out of luck. And I think that's really the issue. So the betting market, DraftKings Sportsbook, th- minus 300, Trayvon Walker to go number one. Hutchinson now the favorite, minus 200 to go number two to Detroit. Is that what you're hearing there? Because there's starting to be some rumblings about maybe Kayvon Thibodeau possibly going to Detroit there at number two. Well, I mean, they were. The, I mean, I think a lot of those because they were at the workout. You know, Chris mm-hmm. Spielman's going to have a lot to say there. You know, he's involved. He's a. You know, he's presented. A, you know, he's a consult, an advisor. But yet, he's. You know, his his opinion's going to matter. And Campbell was out to the workout. Campbell didn't go to very many workouts. If you're going to the workout, you're pretty interested in the players. So, for me, I, I think they uh, look. This whole notion, this narrative, Femi, about well, we're going to take Hutchinson if he's there because he's from – I mean, does it yeah. really matter? <laughs> like, seriously. How is many, he good is the real question. How many people from Michigan are going to go to the Lions game just because there's a Michigan player playing there? <laughs> like, seriously, how naive is that? How stupid is that logic? It comes back to who's the best player. Yeah. Is he better – is Thibodeau better than the Hutchinson? Well, we never thought Hutchinson would be there. Well, you had to think that. I mean, you're the second pick overall in the draft. There had to be – you know, you had to play every scenario, right? Mm-hmm. So – I mean, to me, if they like, if they think Thibodeau is good enough, they should just take him and don't worry about the PR. Because there was a report that came out that said that Dan Campbell, the head coach, 
didn't really like Kayvon Thibodeau, but Kayvon Thibodeau told he's, people, he said that he's got me on speed dial. Like, I love my relationship with Dan Campbell. Yeah, like, I mean, all, like, so things are being refuted now that we're getting closer to the draft. Well, the one, be, here's the one thing we will predict that's going to be wh- whoever the Lions pick, he was their guy all along. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Top of that, the board. <laughs> these are, we, this is the guy we always wanted. All the other stuff was bullshit. This is the guy we wanted. This is the guy we want. This is what we're going to get from everybody. This is the guy we wanted. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think to me, Look, if you like the guy, it doesn't matter where they go. It matters how they play. And mm-hmm. let me say this to you. Tomorrow, when this thing starts, if anybody starts bitching about a guy going too early, they're not paying attention to this draft. This draft could be upside down. It doesn't matter. I mean, they could be players going way before you think they are because there's so many players of equal value. So this whole notion is, well, they didn't go, you know, they took this guy too early. No, they didn't take yeah. him too early. That you just, reach word. Yeah, like <laughs> that. this draft is all reach. Yeah. Is, it, is there anything that would surprise you in those first two picks there? Like, because it sounds like you think that it's going to be Walker. And that's what you've said. You've been hearing that over the course of a couple of weeks here, that it's going to be Trayvon Walker to Jacksonville. Either Hutchinson or Thibodeau at two to Detroit. Is there any other scenario that could possibly surprise you with those first two I mean, two if picks? Detroit took Sauce Gardner at two, a corner. That would be a little surprising. That would surprise. If the Jets took a corner, you yeah. know, if they took a corner, that would surprise. I mean, to me, if you take a corner in the top five, he better stack up to the great corner. I mean, Rob Woodson was the ninth pick overall in a yep. draft, okay? Like, that wasn't – like, he wasn't – and he's one of the greatest corners of all time. Plus, he played safety. You know, Dion went fifth. Like, like seriously, you, you better make goddamn sure that guy is a – not a good corner, a shutdown, shutdown corner. Man. Like, he can go over – Jalen Ramsey, he went five. He's You put him on anybody, he'll cover anybody, right? Yep. So, like, you got to make – to me, that's what the part we miss. We just say this guy, you know, they need a corner. You take somebody the fifth pick in the draft, you better make damn sure he's in the top five at his position or has traits to be in the top five. You think Sauce Gardner is that guy? Or maybe well, he's Derek got great Stingley? size. He's got great size. He can play press. They played it at Cincinnati. He's got long arms. He can run. He's tough. I mean, he's got all the criteria you're looking for in a corner, you know, and, and you got to see. And he deflects the pass. I mean, he deflects the ball, which is critical, right? You've got to be able – one thing about evaluating corners, you want to make damn sure you see them get their hands on the ball. It's like mm-hmm. evaluating a basketball player on defense. If he doesn't have any tips or if he doesn't have any ways where he's – he's never in position to get his hands on the ball. It, yeah. You know, it's like we always say this all the time, baseball center fielders – the guy that wins the Golden Glove usually gets his hands on a lot of balls, yep. right? Now, he might make more errors than you think, but because he's getting the balls that nobody else gets to. So guys that are great get to their hands on more footballs than anybody. It's just part of being great. You're just around the ball more. Yeah, it's interesting because Sauce Gardner, Derek Singley are the corners that we're hearing who could potentially go high, maybe two of them in the first six picks, maybe one of them in the first three picks there. Do you have a preference? Because Stingley, his freshman year, I thought it's like this kid's like nineteen years old. He's going to be a top five pick eventually. The way he uh, they played. weren't even and when he was when he was playing, they weren't even throwing the ball. <laughs> I mean, they weren't even throwing the ball over there. I mean, he has got he has the potential to be a number one corner, outside corner in the league. There's no if you just mm-hmm. watch his freshman tape, it's there. It's terrific. It's yeah. terrific, right? But he's had he's not played well. Now, what's the reasons? And if you can kind of quantify the reasons then you've got a better chance. I mean, you know, to me, he's got huge upside. That's why if they if he went third to Houston, like some people are suspecting mm-hmm. he might do, like it, like nothing's going to surprise me tomorrow night. Like there's nothing. I mean, a quarterback going in the top 10, 
wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't agree with it, but yeah. it wouldn't surprise me. You'd see where the team would get to that point. I mean, they, they just talked themselves into it. Yeah. They're just going to blow the pick, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, we understand that. But to me, like, if you took uh, – uh, then obviously you feel comfortable that whatever's bothering you, you've been able to work it through. Well, let's talk about Houston at three because I think that's the team that nobody really knows how they're going to approach this because last year was Nick Casario's first year at GM there. They didn't have a pick in the first two rounds, so we don't really have any history to go off of. He comes from New England, so we can, I guess, assume that he might have similar tastes as that New England front office there, but is Casario, would he go corner that high there or maybe old line? I mean, if he thought Stingley was the best, if he thought Stingley was a shutdown corner, he would. You know, if he felt like Sauce was, I think you you could justify taking a corner. You just got to make sure they could. That they're, they're that guy. They're that guy. And then you also got to make sure you're playing a lot of man. Lovey wants to play cut Tampa too. I mean, mm-hmm. go back and watch your tape this year. They play Tampa, a lot of Tampa too. They play now. You got to play some man to man. There's no denying that. So you, there's a place to do that. But I, I think ultimately, you know, I think whoever Nick, Nick, the pressure on Nick in this draft is, he is now finally he got A's for the trade. Mm-hmm. He got all these draft picks. So now he got an A, but the A really is like that midterm you took. You really don't get the A <laughs> until the final semester. Like, the picks have to get turned in. I like the analogy. Right? <laughs> the picks got to get turned in. It's like, okay, when John Shaw traded Eric Dickerson to the Los An- to the Indianapolis Colts, you know, John Shaw got an A. Got an A in the draft, right? Go back. Was Cleveland Gary worth it? Was Bill Hawkins worth it? Was Daryl Henley? All those players that you tallied up. That ended up paying out. Was it worth it? That's Nick's challenge now. Nick's on the, not on the hot seat, but the challenge, he's got to make these picks count. Convert them. Because yeah. that's what's measured. It's not you got three ones. You Those picks turn into players, and you got to make sure those players are good. That's the key. That's what there's so much. So if he, if, to me, if I'm him, I don't give a shit about any position. I'm picking the best player that I know, that I know I'm going to probably want to sign an extension to in the fifth year. Those picks having to convert almost reminds me of the Rams trade with the now commanders when RG3, when you saw Washington go up to two, and everyone's like, the Rams got all these picks, and it came nothing. Nothing to it. It's like all these, it's (laughs) like, like, look, go through any of this. I mean, you know, go through any of it. Now, when the Minnesota Vikings traded Fran Tarkenton, you know, for all the Giants picks, they ended up Mm. getting Alan Page. Okay, that's worth it now. We got Alan Page. We got a Hall of Fame. But most times, nobody goes back and revisits it for what it is, you know, like, and what, what, what is the actual trade now? Because those, those picks become players. Yeah, I, I cannot wait for the draft to come. I'm, we're going to take a quick break here, but we're going to talk about these quarterbacks because there's some stuff we got to get to, especially with the Carolina Panthers. But first, let's take a quick break. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops 
driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. All right, Michael, we got to talk about what we heard from Panthers owner David Tepper earlier yeah. on Wednesday because he said Darnold is a very good quarterback and that Rome wasn't built in a day. We're going to practice patience and all these things. And it's interesting because everybody has assumed that Tepper would be the one who's the aggressor and wants yeah. to go up and get maybe his former alums quarterback there in uh, Kenny Pickett from Pitt. Like it's Tepper now talking about this almost feels like this Panthers thing is not going to be at quarterback. Like we're not going to quarterback here in the in the top ten at pick six. You know, Tepper's worth what fifty billion, sixty billion. I mean, I don't think he could. I, buy, I can't count that. High. He can't yeah. buy Twitter, but he's <laughs> but he's really rich, right? Very so, <laughs> like, it, when you get that rich, fam, the one thing you know is value. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like one thing I know about rich people, they don't mind spending for quality, but they're not going to spend for mediocrity, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's just a human. That's just. A, the trait they've had 100%. to accumulate all this wealth, right? Well, he didn't get stupid overnight. Like he's he knows that if he turns in a card for a quarterback at six, that's not worth it. He's not getting his value. That goes against every business belief he be, he has. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, football is different than business. No, it's not. Bill Walsh said that back in '84. It's the same business. You got to run it the same way, right? And so there's no value. So for what he's saying simply is, look, we gave up. We didn't pay a lot for Sam. We gave a two and a three. He was not very good last year. We hired a new coach. Maybe we can fix him. But for me to turn in and pay 90 cents for 10 cents, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, like, why would I pay a dollar for something that's worth 20 cents? Like, that's not his life. He's never done that before. Yeah. So why would you expect him to behave like that? And people say, well, he wants a quarterback. Yeah, I'm sure he wants one. But he could have made the same deal that the Browns made. People don't realize this. That that deal the Browns made was what got the Browns in the Watson deal. The guaranteed. The gar- the full buttoned up kiss your mm-hmm. sister guarantee. Comb <laughs> your hair. Okay. That that was the full buttoned up deal. Everybody had their chance. Everybody said no. Cleveland got back in because they said yes. Right? Nobody was willing to do that except Cleveland, which got him the guy. Okay, fine. They did it. That's how they got out and got in. Yeah. So for as much as Tepper wants the quarterback, he knows value. There's no if, – if you listen to anybody, there's no value. Like even the people that like Willis, they can't tell you the value isn't going to – is there now. It's going to be down the road. Mm-hmm. They can't tell you that. And so if you reverse engineer it, like you should do on every, every good decision, you should re- – like you bring your car to a mechanic, he's got to learn to put the engine together before he can fix your engine. So you got to figure out like what works in the NFL, what does it, and there's great margin of error for Malik Willis. There is, yeah. Funny release, you know, not tall. There's a lot of things. It's not a slam dunk. Like I said this day on the show, Lamar Jackson's the 32nd pick in the draft. He won a Heisman, right? He won a ton of games in at, at, at Louisville. Mm-hmm. He's better than any one of these quarterbacks, and it's not even close. Yeah. 
Go back and read what people were saying about him. <laughs> wasn't pretty. Wasn't pretty. <laughs> wasn't a, you know, and then he that we made him sit in the green room for how long? All the way till 32. He's the MVP. And now you're telling me these guys should go before he goes because the man is higher? Come on, please stop. Yeah. And I think the point with Tepper, too, with Carolina is that he tried to go for other quarterbacks. And that's why people are trying to make this connection of, oh, he's so quarterback hungry and all this. Because he tried to get Matthew Stafford, couldn't do it. He tried to get Deshaun Watson, didn't want to do the guarantees and all that. But it's like, these guys are not those guys. Right. Like, these guys are not guys that can win you a Super Bowl potentially, at least from our vantage point. At least it doesn't seem like they are that. Maybe one of these guys surprises us later on, five, six years down the line. But at least right now, None of these guys are perceived that way. If you take over any organization, you buy a franchise, your number one goal is to get your quarterback. Yeah. So you're going to be relentless in that pursuit. And until you get that guy and that you know, I mean, Cleveland, remember when, when Baker started after uh, 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 Tyron Taylor, Taylor went out? Yeah. They thought they had their guy. Oh, I, yeah. I kept saying that he can't throw from the pocket, he can't see, but no, I was completely wrong, right? No, he, they got their guy. <laughs> No, they don't have their guy. Yeah, look at him Even now. when you think you have your guy, you don't know whether you have. How about Jared Goff? I mean, go. Mm-hmm. I can show you Twitter. People ripping my ass on Twitter, re- retweeting something I said on on uh, on Rich Eisen's show about I didn't think Goff was going to be the guy. Oh, I must have got. I got destroyed. Destroyed. They didn't have their guy either. Yeah. So even when you think you have your guy, you're still looking for a guy. You're like you're the pursuit of a quarterback never ends. It's like when people think that Bill Walsh, that there's, a, there's, a, there's a tale that goes around that's completely wrong, that Bill Walsh was going to go work out James Owens at UCLA. Mm-hmm. The 49ers didn't have a first-round pick in that draft the year he came to the 49ers. They had traded it for uh, O.J. Simpson. So they, didn't have a, they had a second-round pick. He was down at UCLA, and the, the, the narrative is that he needed somebody to work out. Leonard Armato was Montana's agent, and he said, why don't you let – him throw for you okay so he threw for him and bill fell in love that day that's not true like bill was bill had watched the player he knew the player and then when he worked out the player he realized he was a better quarterback than the one he had at stanford steve fuller or steve i think it was steve fuller or dills i'm not sure but anyway he was better than that guy so but he was and then he redshirted him his first year but he was going to continue to look for a guy until montana proved he could be the guy that's what you do. That's what Tepper's doing is what everybody should do. It's what Seattle did when you were up there. They they had, you know, they trade for Charlie Whitehurst. Yep. They draft, they sign Matt Flynn. They draft Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Did they think that if, if they would have thought that any one of those two before were perfect, would they have drafted Russell? Of course not. That That's what, what – what, what it saved their ass. Like. What, what gets teams in trouble is when they say, we're good. We're good. When you're not good. That's – that's interesting because these quarterbacks, I, I get what you're saying with like, you want to always keep looking for them. And is, is that why we're going to see these guys go in the first round? Because it's almost like teams are almost taking lottery shots of, okay, maybe this Willis kid can be good. Maybe the picket can be good. Maybe Corral can be good. But see, like if I were Cleveland last year, you were in striking distance to get, now I'm not, maybe they didn't like Mac Jones. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't like Justin Fields. I don't know this, but you knew you weren't paying Baker Mayfield 40 million. Yeah, they made up their minds. Yeah. You, you knew you weren't going to pay him. So you better have drafted a quarterback. Now they got, so what happened? How did they get out of it? Well, they got money, they, but they compounded the problem. Say they drafted Fields last year. Baker would have been furious, right? <laughs> he would have been all upset. He would have been crying. We'd have to give him a hanky, you know, and all that. But net, they wouldn't have to give up all these picks for, you, you know, even when you get one, like 
then you have to ask yourself the question. Say you draft Malik Willis. Are you paying him $50 million a year in five years from now? Well, you better see a lot in those first three years. The, the chances are you're probably not, right? So, okay, so now I'm going to be looking for another guy in three or four years anyway. Right? Yeah. Like, how does this it, – It's you can't just – there's, it's sustainable and solution-based. With everybody that runs mock drafts, they do it because it, it, solves, it solves a problem. It's solution-based. If you're building an NFL team, you want to be sustainable-based. So you've got to be able to pick the guy that sustains the franchise. You know, Josh Allen can sustain the franchise. I thought Josh Allen was inaccurate. I didn't think he would be as nearly as good as he was. He's right. You know, Lamar Jackson, I thought would be a good pro – whether he's going to turn in the round in the passing game, we shall see. But he can sustain a franchise. Mm-hmm. Whether he can win a playoff game, that remains to be seen. And I think that's ultimately what you have to – you can't stop your search. You can't. You just – you can't it, because the game is too hard. Now that we've <laughs> built these quarterbacks up, <laughs> one or might say, or tore him down, how many do you think we end up see go on Thursday? Because – We've seen their draft props. They're start. They're starting it was to a creep two and up. and a half now. It, it was two and a half, but even like positionally for a guy like a Malik Willis, his over under starts at ten and a half. Now it's like fourteen and a half. Pick it. because yeah, well, ten and people, a half. Now it is sixteen, seventeen and a half. Like, I think people have seen it. People I are mean, catching on. It almost. I, I think. Like. I think what's happened is, and I've said this before. I think people are actually talking to teams in the league. I mean, I was on the phone today with a team that needs a quarterback, and they don't have any first round grades on any of these quarterbacks. I mean, and they yeah. need one. And and they probably wouldn't pick them if they had uh, if they if they were there in the second. Like there's going to be other players. It, so I I don't know. I mean I think this is I I my sense of it is I think there there probably will be two. But again, when you get back to the bottom of the first, okay, so you're sitting there and you're 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 Atlanta and you got a chance to get from you know Kansas City has 29 and 30. Mm-hmm. Right, and so if you're at the top of the second or near, would Kansas City trade you so you could get? Because here's the other thing you gotta have: you take Willis, and you go and you draft him in the second. You really, you better know in three. He's not playing next year. I'm just gonna give you that clue. Next year, when you're sitting here at Circa, watch. You're not gonna watch <laughs> Willis. Gonna okay, Willis. <laughs> ain't gonna be he ain't gonna be he ain't gonna be any of those big screens. Right? There's no chance he's gonna be on the. Neither is Matt Corral. He ain't gonna be on any of those big screens. You know, mm-hmm. maybe Pickett might. Even if say Pittsburgh picks one, Trubisky's gonna start. Yeah. So, but if you, you get the fifth year, but if you take them in the second, you now you only now you only got three years to make up your mind. That's a that's a tough tough situation. Yeah, it's just I'm curious to see because I think one of these teams, in my opinion, is going to get desperate and take that fifth year option and be like, okay, maybe or let's say Pittsburgh takes Malik Willis twenty, a team could get trigger happy of like, oh man, we might lose out on Pickett if we don't take him here now. Like, let's get back into the first round and try to trade for him. To get that fifth year option and get our quote unquote. It, it'll guy. be interesting to see what Detroit does at at thirty two. Yeah. If they decide that because if they want to move on from golf, then they they probably have done all their homework and due diligence on all the quarterbacks in the draft. And they know there's going to be one of them that makes it to them, whether it's Corral, whether it's Sam Howe, whether it's, you know, maybe Malik Willis. Maybe he makes it to him. Mm-hmm. You better do all your work. Maybe Pickett makes it to him. I'm not sure. But would they turn that pick in? See, the problem is, if you want to get rid of your guy, the reason you don't get rid of your guy is because you don't have a guy to replace him. Yeah, it's, it's, we have a question actually from Twitter. Jeremy on Twitter says, do you think that this is the type of year, let's say Detroit, they have picks 32 and 34, would they package that to move up for a Ritter or a Pickett or a Willis if they were to get outside the top 20? I don't think they need to move up. You think those guys will just fall to them right there? 
I mean, they could turn this – I mean, Ritter could be 32. Now, some people think Tennessee could take Ritter down at the bottom of the first. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, look, one thing we know for sure, when when you get down to the bottom, when you get to, when you get to Green Bay's pick at 22 – let's say Pittsburgh at 20, that's going to be a quarterback alert, right? New England's not picking a quarterback. Green Bay's not picking a quarterback. Arizona ain't picking one. Dallas mm-hmm. isn't. Buffalo isn't. Tennessee might. There's 26, yep. right? Tampa's not. Green Bay, not again. Kansas City, certainly not. Cincinnati's not. See, so when you're in the draft room and you want to move into the round, what you're doing is targeting teams to get ahead of the team that you know isn't going to, is, might pick a quarterback. Yeah. So if you think Detroit might do it, you're not, Mike Brown won't trade 31 to you because he doesn't trade very much. So you're trying to call Kansas City. You're trying to think about that's how you're trying to play that game. But mm-hmm. that's the only way I see them going to the bottom of the first if somebody tries to do that just to get ahead of. But then if they get in the second, if they get to the second, I think you'll see some teams trying to make a move to get up there. The team that picks right before Tennessee is Buffalo at 25. And I want to ask you about that when we come back because a team might want to move up to that spot for the Buffalo Bills to maybe secure their guy before Tennessee pulls the trigger. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code shuffle that's code shuffle for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia visit www.1800gambler.net in New York call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, we spent a lot of time talking about the top of the draft, but let's look at the back half of the yeah. draft because there were some really intriguing teams, teams that have multiple first-round picks that could be active here. What do you make of, let's say, a Green Bay or a Kansas City that has multiple picks, also a wide receiver, needy, what could those teams possibly do here on Thursday? I mean, I think if they're really smart, they, they have the ability to maneuver if they can, mm-hmm. right? They can get extra picks if they want them, and they can also get a player that they want. You know, Green Bay would do that. I mean, Green Bay certainly could pick a guy that they really like. I think a lot of it, when you're at the back of the draft, it really is about what comes to you. Like, there'll be an unexpected player that makes it to you that you probably said, okay, let's take this guy you know, we should take them and, and see. And, and it may not be the position you want to take. In this draft, I think if you have multiple picks, you got to throw out your team need board and just take the best player because it's so hard to fit good player with need in a draft that is kind of doesn't have a lot of great players in it. 
So I think that's what I would do if I were them. I would make sure. And look, the receiver board, everybody's going to, what, they have six receivers. Well, I don't know what the number is on receivers. <laughs> I think we're up to seven now. Step up to seven. <laughs> Why not have 10? We should just yeah. take 10, you know? I mean, so, you know, I, I think that the, the thing is, you're not going to replace Tyreek Tyree Kill's a number one. Mm. I've said this so many times. It's very hard to find a number one. Like, Debo Samuel's a one receiver, but he's a one in a different way than a true number one is. He's not going to line up outside the numbers and win. He's a get the ball in my hands, I'll break tackles, I'll make big plays, I can run with the ball. That's a different kind of receiver than when you've got an outside guy that can win like that. So I, I think that's kind of the way I see it. I, I think that's the bottom of the draft. You, you really can't predict the bottom of the draft. You have to have your horizontal board really aligned perfectly. Because that's the interesting part because we always hear teams say, on any given draft, the average amount of first-round picks in a given draft is about 18, maybe 20 in a good draft. In a year like this where there can only be maybe 14 guys who have true first-round grades, do you think one of these teams that has multiple picks can just say, okay, we're hanging back here. We have these two picks, but we're not going to get a first-round caliber player. Let's move up and then go into the top 12, top 15. But now you're, paying, to a get you're, paying, now you're paying a premium for mm. mediocrity. You're moving up to get – if you thought the guy was a legitimate player, but you're going to give up a really good pick to move up to get a guy that maybe you could get later. It could be like a double. It could be yeah. – yeah, you know, and so now you're overpaying. It, you're paying correctly by the chart, but you're overpaying by the value. See, the one thing the chart doesn't really do, mm -hmm. the chart tells you the value of the trade. The chart doesn't account for the player in the trade. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That That's the missing link of the chart. Like I'm trading – if you're trading up to get – Dan Marino in the first round, that's worth Congratulations. it. Congratulations, <laughs> right? If you're trading up to get Tony Easton in the first round, not so good, right? Like, we don't, we say they did the chart, but you got to be right on the player when you trade up. If you trade up to get a guy, it's not that. Why do people trade back? People trade back because it's been proven that um, uh, through the through bunch of research, Penn, Cade, the, 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 re, the draft guy, that, that there's a 52% chance when you have A and B, if you took B, you might be just as good as taking A. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times have you seen drafts? I can remember when I was a kid, a young, uh, the, the, the Eagles wanted Perry Tuttle in the first round, and he got picked right in front of him. Dick Vermeil almost had a heart attack. They turned their card in for Mike Quick. They got a better player. Yeah. I mean, how many times, I mean, the, you know, you, you just – Sometimes you get the better player when you don't worry about it. And people are more inclined in this draft to go to clusters. Get me in a cluster of players. It's interesting, though, because trading down in this draft might not be as easy because, like you mentioned, nobody wants, it. Nobody wants to do it. So if you're the one team, like let's say if you're a Kansas City or you're a New Orleans or a Green Bay, if you're that one team that actually wants to trade up, could you be able to get it on the cheap? Because a team like Carolina might be looking to just bail at six, or Seattle might be looking to bail at six because we know those two GMs have a propensity to try to trade down. Like, could it might might it end up being a little cheaper than normal drafts where it's kind of a punitive price to move up? You know, in '86, this is a long time ago. In '86, we were we were going to pick one of three players, and they went in perfect order. And we got, and then we made a trade with Dallas, and Dallas traded up two spots. So we bought a half hour mm -hmm. to kind of reconfigure our plan. And then when we got that, when we got that half hour, we still didn't know what to do. And Buffalo was going to come up; they wanted to pick. They were going to pick Will Wolford, who ended up being a career left tackle for them, a really good player. And they were holding firm, 
And we were trying to get him to, this is a 12-round draft. We were trying to yeah. get him to throw a ninth-round pick in there. And finally, Walsh just says, look, this is a better move for us. We don't need the ninth. Let's just make the deal. And he told McVeigh, who was the general manager, don't, add, you know, just if they'll close it for this, close it. It was more important to make the deal than it was to, to win the deal. Mm-hmm. You follow me? That hasn't been the mentality here. This is the kind of draft where if you're Matt Rule at six and you really want to go to 10 because you don't want to pick, say there's not a tackle there, yeah. say there's not a left tackle. They get there. wiped out at tackle. Yeah. Say you get wiped out and you want to go, and 10 wants to come up or 11 wants to come up. And they're offering you slightly less than the chart. Unless you feel strongly about the guy you're going to turn in, you should probably take slightly less than the chart. This is what I think we might see this week. You might take less for the chart because you just say, you know what, I'd rather not win the deal. I'd rather go down and and win the day as opposed to the deal. I think that could play into it. Again, when you trade down, you got to know what you're going to get when you go down there. You got to say, I'm, I'm going to, you don't know who, but you're going to say, I got one of these five players. Yeah, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys did that in 2013, I believe it was. They were sitting at 18, and they were on the clock. They're like, oh, we don't really like anybody. And they took less from San Francisco, who moved up and got Eric Reed. They ended up taking Travis Frederick, who ended up being a pretty good center for them. So Yeah, they they, they didn't want They were going to take Fre- – if they would have gotten stuck, they would have taken Frederick right at there. At 18, yeah. And they would have gotten ripped and said, you can't take a center they, there. They got right? ripped at 31. Of course they did. <laughs> of course they a, did. Ended up being a pretty good player there. That's the, int- that's the fascinating thing to me about these trades is because – you want to get the value, but then you also might not like the player there at, let's say, pick eight or at 11 or so. So with that being in mind, do you think we're going to end up seeing quite a bit of trades with all these teams having more? I mean, is eight teams have two first-round picks. It, you know, is it, it going to be a trader's market here? I think there'll be trades. Like there always is. But it always used to crack me up when somebody would say, you know, I like that player at, tw- at, at 15. I don't like him at 11. Like, really? Are you serious? That's something you don't like the player. What is that? <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly. You're just What you're trying to do is not put your name on the player. Yeah. That's what you're trying to do, which is a lot of people do that. I don't, you know, so for me, I like, you know, I, I think to me, if you want to move down, if you're, if you're a team like I read this morning, the Giants, are, they're getting phone calls on seven. Mm-hmm. They're not getting any calls on seven. Nobody knows, you know. They might get some on draft day. They're trying to stir up some interest. That's an advertisement. That's a billboard on the turnpike, you know? And so they're trying to get some advertisement. But the reality of it is, is you might have to take less. You might lose the deal. Yeah. Again, the, the, the trade downs are linked to the players. It's the value of the player. Do these trades ever get worked out in advance? So, like, let's say today, right now, when teams are playing the mock draft scenario, saying, okay, if this eight picks go this way, here's what we might do at nine. Do you think that these teams are actually making calls the day before yeah. and are saying, hey, if this player is available, are you interested? We can make a deal. Look, say you're, Minnesota, say you're at 12, Minnesota's at 12, and New Orleans is, or the Chargers are at 17. You call up and you call up your friend at Minnesota who's ever in charge of making deals, and you say, hey, would you guys, you guys thinking about moving? We might move depending on if our guy's there or not. Okay, great. So you know. But you know going into it, teams that'll move and teams that won't move. And even when you think you got a deal with a team that you're going to be able to move with, they bail on you at the last second because, well, we, we want to turn the guard in and pick the guy. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we didn't. I mean, it's the great story of Joe Montana. I mean, Bill Tobin, when Bill Tobin left his house in Chicago the morning of the draft in, in, in 1979, his family, his wife, Duke, his son, yep. the, were kids. And they love Joe Montana. They, they're Chicago, Notre Dame, Notre all Dame, that. Yeah. He said, hey, look, if Montana makes it us in the third round, we'll take him. 
don't worry, he'll be a he'll, he'll be a bear. Well, what happens is when the third round comes, I think Willie McClendon, the running back from Georgia, ends up being there in the third, and instead of taking Montana, they take the back, even though the plan was to take the back, mm-hmm. right? And they take the back, and Montana goes to the 49ers, okay? Wow. Nobody nobody knows this story, right? So the reality of it is, is, is that is sometimes what happens when you're trying to make a trade. You think you have it worked out, but then something that you would never have anticipated happens. Yeah, life happens. <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden you're out. And all of a sudden, Joe Montana could have been a bear. Wow. He was one step away from being a bear. They, they turned in they turned in the running back, even though Tobin told his family if he's there in the 30s, ours. That's the morning of the draft. And that rewrites the course of NFL history. Right that rewrites there, the right course there. of NFL. No, that's how that's how close it is. That's, I mean, that's crazy. You know, that's that, that's what happens on these trades. So you so what you do is you plan to call these teams and you have it all worked out. But at the end of the day, nothing's final until the clock on the clock. So Washington's on the clock, and you're and you're and you're the charge at seventeen. You call up Martin Mayhew or Marty Horney and say, hey. You guys ready to move? Yeah, what are you going to give it for us? Well, the chart says this. Here's what it's going to cost to go from 17-11. We'll do that deal. We'll get back to you. They hang up because mm-hmm. they got 12 minutes. So yep. they, you, now you're waiting. So you, what you do at 17, you don't sit there and wait for them to call you back. You're not the mate. Then you call third. Then you call 12. You call right Minnesota. Yep. You get, hey, we'll do this if our guys. Would you do this trade if our guys there? Minnesota. Well, you know now they know who they might get. Mm-hmm. Call us back when we're on the clock. We might do that. Okay, boom. Then you called Houston. See, then you're doing that. Then maybe the other. Then then maybe Washington calls you back and says, you know, if you sweeten this, we'll do it. Now you got to make a call. Yep. Now you're paying above the board. They don't really want to do it, but if you're dumb enough to sweeten it, will you do it? If you're really now that you got to make a call. To get to 11. Now, now one guy's got to make that call. And the one guy, you know, because all the scouts are sitting over there in the corner. Like one guy's got to make. Okay, no, I don't want to do that. You know, so you got to kind of play that game. So you got five or so you're basically a short order cook. You got a bunch of shit on the on the stove, <laughs> I was gonna say. and you got the tags coming in. You know, and you got to put the and the food's got to go out hot. So now you got to say, okay, turn them down. Let's go to Minnesota. Wow. And then when you turn them down, they might call you back and say, we'll do your original deal. It's all poker, right? It's mm-hmm. all poker. So you're all just playing poker. And when you're in love with a player, like when I was calling teams to make trades for the Raiders, they knew if I was calling, Al wanted them. Mm-hmm. So I was a one-armed paper hanger. I was going in there. I was getting my ass kicked because I didn't have any ability to say, well, because I, I wasn't going to go tell him we couldn't get it done, right? <laughs> I wasn't going to go out there and tell him. No, Avoid I, the headache. Yeah, I'm not going to go out. You, you want a third? You want, what else you want in here? I'll throw it in here for you, you know? I'm going to say, what's that conversation like if you say, hey, Al, we can't get him. Could you imagine if I would have gone back and said to him, if I'd have gone back and said to him, hey, you know, Mr. Davis, I turned the deal down. They wanted me to throw in a six round pick. I wouldn't do it. You I'd have been fired. He'd have hung me like Mussolini in the squad. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? That's his odd enough thought. See what I'm saying? So yeah. you gotta constantly you're playing poker with them. But if you got if you're a good like Belichick's a great poker player, never raise his voice. Hey, look, here's what we'll do. Uh, no, I don't want to do that. Click phone, hang up. You know he's making all the calls. Like there's nobody. He's there's only. That's why the, when the when we go to these rooms with all these people in them, I don't know how anybody does anything because you got to focus and concentrate. You you know you got too many people in your ear. You're gonna lose your mind. So like okay, if you want you want me to throw in a six? Let me you know think about it. And, you know that's why it's usually the guy on the phone 
is relaying the information so the guy can hear it and think who's making the decision. This is where it gets into problems because some of the guys making the decision don't know enough about football, right? And so now the coach is in that guy's ear, you know, like, we should do it, we should do it. Well, it may not be a right thing to do. Because the coach is trying to save his butt too, you know, he's yeah. trying to get an extension and all that. Exactly. It's, it's competing kind of uh, interest, I should say. Yeah. Um, real quick, because you talked about the Montana story, I thought it was a fantastic story with the Bears. If we're on the clock, who are the guys that you would absolutely not trade away from? I would. I know, you, I know you love Jordan Davis, the tackle out of out of Georgia. Minute. Who else do you like that in this draft where you're like? I would not trade away from that guy. I'm going to stick and pick. You can call me with the moon, the sun, the stars. I'm rejecting it. I'm going to make this I, pick. I don't think I, – I would probably say uh, the offensive lineman, I wouldn't trade away from Cross because I think he's got great upside. I wouldn't trade away from uh, the North Carolina State kid. Aquanu. Aquanu. I can never say his name correctly. I prob- but he's a guard. I think he's going to end up being a guard. I probably wouldn't do that. You know, if I felt like, you know, but other than that, I think I would be open game for everybody. I mean, I don't think I, there's, I don't, I think this is a draft not to be a lover. I think mm-hmm. the people that have good drafts to tomorrow and Thursday and Friday will be the teams that don't love a player. But to me, I, I don't, and I don't understand it. I keep saying it. I don't know how Jordan Davis is in a top five pick. Like, I don't understand. There's no people on this planet, the planet, yeah. that are 6'6. 345 that run 48 and make it isn't like he just disappeared. Like when Chester McLaughlin came out, the great Chester McLaughlin. Chester mm-hmm. was a great player, but Chester walked off the field in in the in the in the Gator Bowl or not the Gator Bowl. It was a Citrus Bowl. It was one of those in Tampa. I get the Citrus one of those the Outback Bowl maybe. Right, you know games. they had five different names. <laughs> he literally walked off the field. He was a hard guy to coach, and they mm-hmm. told you that. At, they told you that at Clemson. They told you, hey, he's hard to coach. He's not, he not going to be easy for you. But you knew what you were getting into. Whereas this kid's, I mean, four eight five. I, I, I don't know. Inc- you almost under- have to watch the video twice to be like, is this real? The guy And the guy has quickness. <laughs> yeah. He's not like a lumbering for, he's not a lumbering. Yeah. Like, what human being on planet Earth does what he does? Like, nobody. And you get a, look, the one thing about being a, a defensive line coach, in the National Football League, is you've got to almost be a lion tamer. You need a top hat, a cane, and a whip because those guys are just wired differently, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're too nice to them, and you're they're gonna they're they're gonna play nice. Like you got to be like a boxing trainer. You got to go in there and really work them. You got to be like you got to really get after them, and you got to have a kind of a mindset. You get somebody who can crawl up his ass and really get them to get what you got to get out of them. <laughs> I, I I just don't. I mean, like to me, I. Like, I don't – Adama Sue went the first pick in the draft. Like, tell me, like, why is he better than – Than Jordan Davis, yeah. It's, and he played – and Jordan Davis played on a defense that dominated. Yeah. Sue was – he was amazing at Nebraska, but this Davis kid, he was my favorite player the entire college football season. I absolutely loved him. You loved him because he made plays. Like he made I, plays. I could he's, see he's if people record. are saying Lombardi, he doesn't make any plays. Oh, no. He makes – He makes plays. He, he's disruptive. Like, well, he can't rush on third down. Well, okay, I'll show you what he could do on third down. He's going to line up over your little shitty center. Yep. Who, you know, and I'm going to tell him to push that center back as fast as he can. Yep, right into your quarterback's lap. And we know that every single quarterback says – I don't mind the pressure on the edges. I absolutely hate it. Right when up somebody's in my in face. My face I yep. hate it. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't understand it. To me, I, I just think to me, it's just I, I, I'm missing something. 
we're overthinking it. But hey, let's take a quick break. On the other side, I want to give you some fun first player to be drafted head-to-heads that okay. maybe we can have some fun with here. Don't go away. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, Michael, before we get out of here, I wanted to give you some rapid-fire yeah. questions here. And these are odds courtesy from DraftKings. They have a first player to be drafted prop, and there's some head-to-heads. Okay. And I wrote down about five of them that I thought could be really interesting okay. and spark some good discussion. The first one, NC State offensive tackle Akeem Aquanu versus Kayvon Thibodeau, the Oregon pass rusher. Aquanu minus 125, Thibodeau minus 105. Who goes first in the draft? Oh, that's a tough one here. I mean, I know... You know, I mean, I have Aquanu on my board rated slightly higher than uh, Thibodeau. I have Thibodeau in the 1B category. I have mm-hmm. Aquanu in the 1A. But I would say Aquanu, but I, I, you know, I think Detroit's the wild card there because I think he could go there. I mean, that's a tough one. That's a really good that that. that DraftKings is smart. I mean, they, they know how to get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. DraftKings, the betting market. It's funny how these things always get to efficient numbers. The next, I one- mean, on paper, it's but. I'm, I'm, I'm. But based on what uh, what I try to do is judge this through what what you'd hear, and mm-hmm. I would suspect I would go Iquanu, but I think that's could be wrong based on Detroit. Yeah, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. We don't know what they're up to, but they could be up to something. The next one: LSU cornerback Derek Stingley minus one sixty five versus FSU pass rusher Jermaine Johnson plus one twenty five. Who goes? I, I think it's going to be well. Johnson's rumored to go to the Jets. I mean, I think that Johnson could go to the Jets. I think he's pretty highly thought. He's the next guy that goes, you know. And I don't think you know if Carolina does. Carolina take a a, a pass rusher like Johnson. Uh, I I think I might lean Stingley here. Yeah, Stingley to me it sounds like Houston likes him, but. You mentioned the Jets with Johnson. That thing is gaining some serious yeah. steam over the last few days here. Yeah. They might take him as high as four. And like this is a guy who was thought of in the eight. I, to I think nine, if Aquanu's at four, I think they'll take him. You think Jets go with Aquanu? Yeah, I think the Jets will take him at four if he yeah. makes it to get a big offensive line if they draft yeah, him. Yeah, if they can get him going. I mean, they got some, you know, they, they still right tackle. I mean, if they played him at right tackle, you know, but if they keep what are they, Afane in there at right tackle, they could move in, you know, in the guard. Mm-hmm. Makai Becton, if they ever get that situated, I mean, I mean Makai Becton be... could be really good if he can get his. I mean, Makai Becton, when they want to run, when you watch Jet Tape, when he's good, when he's playing, they run the ball left. They get four yards every time they run the ball. He's a massive human being, much like Jordan Davis. Those are rare guys to come around. The next few are pass catchers: Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State wide receiver, minus one forty, versus Jamison Williams, the Alabama wide receiver, plus one ten. I think I'm going to take Garrett Wilson. You're gonna go Wilson there, yeah, because I think that he's. I think he's the number one. See, the the problem with Jamison is obviously the medical. We don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to be healthy enough. I think that's going to be the issue. I saw something interesting though. Jamison Williams told a Philadelphia beat writer or Philadelphia local news anchor that he said the Eagles would take him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, look, I don't know how many more receivers the Eagles can take. I mean, like two re- straight years. <laughs> talking about trade and rigor, like, <laughs> like who who's going to give you anything for rigor right now? Nobody. They just moved our uh, Whiteside to tight end. You see that? Yeah, our, how's that? Our, our Whiteside. They, they moved him to tight. How's that going to go? Can I tell you how that? You know, when you move to tight end, that's like your first step to moving out the door. <laughs> Our single white guys, he couldn't run away from a fire hydrant. Uh, Jamison Williams, let's stay on his topic. He's minus 140 versus Drake London, the USC pass catcher, who's plus 110. I'll take Jamison Williams there. Take Williams? Yeah. I heard some things about Atlanta liking London quite a bit. He was that big, strong guy for Arthur Smith's offense. Look, I, I, look if, he, if they took him at, at eight or nine, I, would, I'm not, I am not going to question anybody's judgment on the draft in terms of taking a guy too early. It's whatever your flavor of ice whatever cream is. Whatever you see it, everybody <laughs> evaluates differently, and every scheme is different. You know, that's the one thing I don't think we talk enough about 
is if you play third base for the Mets and you played in the one o'clock game and the, the Mets and the Yankees are playing at seven and you got traded to the Yankees, you could drive right over to the right over to the game and you could play for the Yankees that day at third base. It wouldn't matter. It's yeah. baseball's baseball. Football, if you're a right guard for Kyle Shanahan and you get traded to the Las Vegas Raiders to Josh McDaniel, you're gonna take a little while to figure out what you gotta do. The techniques, the fun, they're all different. And because of that, not all players fit everybody's scheme. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the difference is. Yeah, and that's usually what ends up deciding these draft orders. One team's like, hey, this guy is our scheme guy. This guy's not, so we would never take him. And that's kind of how these things work themselves out. Last one here, it's a wide receiver versus a cornerback. Ohio State's Chris Olave is minus 125 versus Washington's Trent McDuffie, the cornerback, minus 105. I think i take McDuffie here. Okay, you think McDuffie goes a little bit I think before McDuff- Olave? I think McDuffie's the last, whenever you're the last corner, Right. Whenever you're the last corner and then there's a drop to the next guy, you get moved up a little bit. We better get this guy. If we don't get him, there's nobody else. So even if we, you know, it's one of those, you know, I like him at, I don't like him at 14, but I like him at 17. Well, you know, you got to take him at 14 because he's not going to be there. <laughs> yeah. McDuffie, I mean, he's being pushed up because Stingley and Sauce Gardner, once they're, those gone, guys are once, go the, first... once they're gone, then yeah. it's, you know, then where are we? The, 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 key, the key guy in this draft that nobody seems to have an idea that everybody loves is Hamilton. Where's he going to go? Yeah, he's, he's falling a little bit or quote-unquote Well, unquote I mean, I think he's falling because, again, you know, Jamal Adams, you know, he got – I don't know why Seattle paid him. I really don't. I don't know why he got drafted so early because he's an in-the-box player, and once people point him out as the mic or make him the will and give him to the line and pass protection, he's not effective. Mm-hmm. He's an in-the-box player who runs to the football. Like and that, that's you can't pay top dollar for that. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. I mean, I get the Seahawks; they did it because oh my god, we gave a multiple first round pick, so we have to get something out of this in terms of the years. Well, it's like okay, right, let me you're ask doubling you this. down. Essentially. What do you what? This is a question nobody's talking about. I I like to have your opinion. Mm-hmm. What What are you doing with James Harden after the when they lose the series? So he didn't he didn't pick up his player. They said he was going to pick up the option mm-hmm. for one year, but he didn't. So does that mean he's a free agent? Are you paying two hundred million a max contract? How are you get down that? The, like, that's the fundamental. Like, see, like everybody wants you to make a trade, but nobody goes to second order thinking. Like, what do we do when we get this guy? Yeah. Like, are we really going to pay Jamal Adams all this money after we like we gave up two number ones? I get it. They love him. They think he's a good player. He had eleven sacks two years. I get all that. Same thing with Harden. Like, if you're Daryl Morey and you just traded all this. You, you really didn't trade all. You traded draft picks, right? Yeah. You traded two players who are going to be free agents. <laughs> and a guy and who doesn't play basketball. A guy doesn't want to play basketball anymore, right? So you really didn't trade anything. You did, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. But, but he, the question is, you put your team in, you, you were going to put your team in jail if you give him this extension when he hasn't been worth it. So what do you do? See, you've got to ask, that's the, but the same thing comes down to these quarterbacks. Are we going to give Malik Willis a fifth year? Uh, we're going to. Uh, you, we think he's good enough to play ten years? Do we think Pickett's good enough? Like that's you got to shape the question. Yeah, it's almost like a poker player who's pot committed. You're like, gosh, I put already so many. I, I got a call just so like we're on the river. Like I got a call, and it's like, man, like you know you're losing. You, you know, know he's losing. got a good hand over yeah, there, right? You know I mean, losing. you can I mean, look, Matt Damon knew when 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 he didn't lick the cookie, he was you know <laughs> he was going to win it. And Matt Damon also knew he had a good hand in the last hand. 
You know, and look yeah. how pissed off the the uh, that Malkovich got at him. Yeah, you the know, KGB. The, the KGB got the <laughs> love it. Isn't that a great? <laughs> it all comes back to rounders eventually. But gosh, we've got to talk draft for hours. Love We're gonna it. get the opportunity to talk it. Thursday night will be part of VEASAN's mm -hmm. draft night coverage. Look out for that 4 to 7 West Coast time, 7 to 10 over on the East Coast. Also, we'll have a draft recap podcast on Monday. Monday, Monday. we will be. down all 256 picks that we saw in the draft. Who won the draft? Who lost the draft? Who reached? Who was able to No grades. Yeah. We're not giving out any <laughs> no grades. grades. No grades. But we will evaluate what you but do. But Baltimore will get an A, I promise. <laughs> the Ravens will get an A in their draft. I think, they pay, I think they, pay, they pay for those, I think. They get those. So. <laughs> but that is it for the podcast. Thanks for listening. As always, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to Michael. Thank you to Stephen Bond, our producer, always on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings and VEASAN. And we'll talk to you guys soon.